Hello, uh, and welcome to this non zero one special edition podcast. Whoa. Yeah, with myself, Fran Miller. Uh, me, John Hunter. And me, Kat Harrison. And the fourth member of non zero one who can't be with us today uh, because she is on uh, parental leave is Sarah Butcher. Why are we doing the podcast, Kat? It has been 10 years since we made our first piece of work. And so we thought it would be uh, an interesting time to reflect on everything we've done at this point and maybe pass on some pearls of wisdom, if we have any. It might. I mean, it's going to be an an emotional ride for everybody. Strap in. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So we asked some people who have been very important to our journey over the last 10 years to pose some questions to us, uh, which we attempt to answer one by one per episode. There are eight in total. So we hope you enjoy. And if you'd like to find out any more information about Non-Zero One, you can visit our website at www.nonzero1.com and drop us a line. We would love to hear from you. Drop us a line? I don't know. Just give us a bell. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this question is from... Sheila Golani, who is a collaborator um, of ours, uh, especially on one particular piece called Take Hold, which we made in 2018. She's also a dramaturg on Let's Take a Walk. And she's also a dramaturg on Let's Take a Walk. Um, Sheila is an artist uh, and a maker. And she has asked us, who slash what are your biggest influences as makers the word influences like is interesting because it's not just inspiration it's also influence so Mm. it's like when you've noticed that something has maybe affected the way you've done something or that you can see something in what you've done Mm. and think (laughs) oh maybe that came from my you know learning about that or that the experience I had with dot 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 and I also thought like the one of the first places my brain went there were a couple of things meditation And cognitive behavioural therapy, okay? I'm going to explain. Um, So both of those things are part of um, what I, uh, what I, are part of my life. And um, I think that, like, obviously there's, there's, we're each going to have individual influences upon the way that we approach uh, a lot of the work we make. And then there's probably ones that we share. But um, I think that sometimes people I've heard people come back to us uh, either having just taken part in something or hearing us describe what a show is and gone oh that sounds a bit like therapy or you know oh, that's quite meditative and then there's a whole conversation to be had there about you know why it's it can't necessarily be therapy because we're not therapists and you know there's a there's a whole lot of considerations there and um, I know that uh, you guys did a particular uh, area of study of theatre and therapy as well um, back at university, or Kat did, uh, drama therapy, which I didn't do. But I have been um, uh, like a patient, if you like, in cognitive behavioural therapy uh, and where meditation is also one of the things that's maybe sort of um, recommended. And I do feel that a lot of that practice and the kind of supposed benefits of doing that kind of process are things that I identify with out of a lot of the work that we make um 
And in a way, it sort of helps me see what the value could be as well. I think sometimes um, there's a kind of obvious question about how can me just thinking about my own life or thinking about my motivations for having done something or thinking about my relationship to somebody or other for a period of time really be of any kind of... um, uh, consequence to the what to the wider world you know that if that's not activism that's not making a difference that's you know not essential it's very self-indulgent it's very self-reflective it's very internal and you know like is there a value to that you know does that have a place uh if somebody says of a piece that you've made like oh that felt very l- much like meditation is that a criticism but that's always but that's i think that's because we make pieces for people to explore their own thoughts within the work that we create. So, I, you know, it, it does feel like psychology or um, plays like a large part into our creation process because we are asking people to sort of give themselves up to the work that we're creating, to put themselves into that position. Um, and, I'm, yeah, I have gone to like back to my A-level psychology books when we're making shows just to go, why would someone react like this or how would you put them in that position or, you know, what are we trying to get out of them in terms of like choice or in terms of their behaviours or in terms of what they're trying to get out of it or what we're asking them to think about. The work can be intensely sort of self-reflective at times. Um it's almost always in the context of other people as well. And to, to kind of acknowledge that and make the most of that rather than to ignore it um, is something that I think is like quite exciting to us. Yeah. Kat, who are you influenced or by or who or what? I was thinking in terms of like what influences us as well is that we've always talked about um, uh, our kind of, thoughts about theatre are a lot about communication yeah. and we often like looked looked at our everyday lives and how we are communicating with each other in everyday lives and have brought that into our work so I guess like some of those technologies like mp3s like mobile phones like headphones like uh, msn mm-hmm. like um <laughs> which makes us sound really dated but then like tech, <laughs> text or you know like we, whatsapp skypes like yeah. we've looked at kind of um I, I guess like what we try and do is look at how um communication is changing day to day as well and like and and that sort of has influenced mm. our pieces quite how present them as well how you experience yeah. them yeah but then i was the other obvious one i guess i'm thinking is like the huge amounts of of companies yeah. and other artists and things that have have influenced and I wasn't sure if like then we get into like the long list but there are some people that we always go back to like you know we talk about Gob Squad a lot we talk about and we talk about Blast Theory a lot but um well do you remember that piece that I think it was Karen I think it was Karen Fricker and she was like you guys should when we started talking about creating would like to meet and she was like go and do this and it was by Rota Zaza in that Etiquette. little Etiquette, yeah. yeah. And it was in that yes. little cafe. Cafe Oto. Yeah. And we Oto. we trotted along, all six of us. <laughs> yeah. And in yeah. the corner of this little cafe was basically like a board game, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah sort of. Yeah. And uh and we did it and I think each of us had our own... probably like, not a board game. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for describing <laughs> it like that. But it was sort of like um, yeah, just this experience that you could go and do called Etiquette. And we we did it in pairs. And and I think that had a 
a real influence and it was a moment of of how we or how audiences can completely create their experience through yeah being facilitated by an artist to kind of make it happen for each other and and that was definitely a moment that I was like okay this is you know it sort of pushes you in another direction where you feel inspired by the work that you could then go on and make which of course you know it's going to be completely different and change it but you can also go oh yeah this that really gave me a, a moment of seeing what what the work we can make could be feel like for audiences and you're so right like depending on what project we're doing we often go and then see stuff that's kind of influencing yeah. stuff like it so the, you know there's a piece that we're working on now and it it sparked a whole thing where we were like we should watch these films oh yeah and we had a film night go to this exhibition that's about similar themes mm. um so there's also been like yeah exhibitions films music yeah. um as well as um uh, theater companies like exp exploring like ideas around form yeah. as well yeah um I guess. Yeah, because every show has brought sort of like new challenges in how we approach it or how all the influence we should look at or who would be the best yeah. collaborator or who we should look into or work with. I was just thinking like, do you remember doing, um, this is where we got to when you came in and, and working with the archivists at the bush. Yeah. Uh, Emma, the archivist. And and just what they taught us and how they spoke about it and yeah. and how we had to get across in that piece the importance of what the bush meant to other people. And so then, of course, it's it, it's it's easy for us to look at things like 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 theatre companies who kind of look at form in a different way. Like, uh, you know, we 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 have often referenced like Punch Drunk, Blast Theory, Gob Squad, Entred Goed, uh, Entred yeah. Goed um, who are, I Forced Entertainment, yeah. Station House, Rimini Protocol, like who I guess are like those artist companies that are maybe like a generation, like. A, a, like a, ahead of us or something we looked a lot to those for inspiration because I guess we can see how successful they are and can and we were inspired by the work that they were making yeah, yeah yeah I was thinking like in the same way that we've been influenced by those like that are kind of like that generation that have been doing it for 10 you know years longer than us there's also like the sort of our generation and the and the groups that we've kind of up here grown up with yeah. over the years and you know how like i'm thinking about the made in china's and like fan shen and um the the guys that we were in the basement now sadly not no yeah. longer existing um the associateship scheme yeah. with and and those companies and forest fringe and the artists yeah. that have been working with yeah. forest fringe and like also you know that kind of community as well and how we've kind of uh worked alongside and within the same kind of context as as these uh artists as well and how i think it's just such a generous sector that we work in that we still continue to kind of share our stories of how we're working and what we're doing and are you going for this thing and like oh man like this particular thing was really tricky if you're thinking of going for this mm. funding or this da, 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 or this da, da, da. or there's this pot that's the open and it's, yeah, yeah, yeah the support network yeah. network is kind of incredible isn't mm. it and um it's i think that's had a big influence on kind of 
how yeah. we've well, we felt worked. completely supported, haven't we? And I suppose in going forward, you don't feel so alone. You feel yeah. like you can like learn from others, and particularly when Forest Fringe in Edinburgh was going, like oh, you did, yeah. you felt like a big party, like you did, like it kept it's going, such going an in incredible that thing. Yeah, it really was such an incredible yeah. thing. I've got a difficult question for you both. That sort of um, oh, it's the Fran sub question. You're time. welcome. <laughs> okay. That spins off Sheila's. But if you had to, in terms of thinking about Non Zero One and the work you're now making, the work you've made with Non Zero One, who would you say a person is the biggest influence on your life to, for what you're doing today? Tries to say it's you. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm expecting right. you to know. <laughs> no. What? So one person. Yeah. Oh, that's impossible. There isn't. Is it? it? Well, who have you got in mind? I have got my drama teacher from college. Okay. Because I think without them, I wouldn't have belie- believed in what I was doing and or seen the work that I'd saw, seen or, or sort of felt that I could be a maker. I think I always saw myself as an actor uh, and sort of pushed myself with that because that's how, you, that's how I understood theatre to be or understood what I could do within theatre. And actually with... Um, he's called Duncan Ellis. Yeah, I could suddenly make work and I could write it and I could do all the different elements of it. And um, uh, I think about him a lot in terms of in terms of pushing me and believing in it and and love it and the love of theatre itself. And I think I'm particularly working in the industry. You find that there's always, if you dig a little bit deeper with some with people who work here, there's always somebody within their education normally that sort of made theatre or. Um, theatricality or in some way like incredibly important to them or feel like it enriched their lives in, in a way that they wanted that to continue to be part of their lives and I definitely felt that I got that and was lucky enough to have that at college from this person who just cared deeply who loved it who wrote who made who who introduced you to yeah frantic and complicity and and these amazing companies there are just certain things that I think certain people have like left an, a massive imprint on me mm. with. And I think that like a couple of them have asked us questions in this, mm. uh, in this series of podcasts. One of them is the person who asked us this question, though I'm sure she won't like this as an answer because she's very humble, of course. And I think we've talked about this in a separate episode as well. But um, I have on more than one occasion been an audience member in the work of Sheila Galani and um, have just been blown away by the deliberate care, attention, thoughtful, necessary slowness that for me always acts as a reminder to maybe just force yourself to just try and go a little slower and maybe try saying a little less, but saying what you say more carefully and it's definitely a lesson that I need you know what I mean it's not one that I've learned it's like it's one you've got to listen to um and and I've had also like an ongoing relationship with a company called Blast Theory mm-hmm. um look them up if uh, if you haven't heard of them and it means that I've worked with a team of people um most constantly sort of the three artists in Blast Theory and each of them uh, approach the challenges uh, of making a new piece of work uniquely and yet they find a way to synthesize that into something that's totally coherent and feels like it's blast theory and being even just in proximity to an artist-led organization watching them go through that challenge in that process from like here's here's the situation through to here's what it could be through to here's what it's turned into and then that's what it was and all of the conversations that take place in that and the different considerations 
um it, it absolutely just all goes straight in and it's like and you're not hoping to be able to emulate that but um sort of it's just amazing watching other people almost face a challenge that it's not actually your responsibility and then going oh i've just watched someone learn a lesson and actually i've sort of half learned that by proxy and that's a huge influence you know you're just like wow the, the way that person dealt with that amazing I, I hope that when it comes to me having to be in a similar situation i will be able to use that you know level of reason clarity you know passion inspiration you know whatever When I was 18, I think it was, I did um, a National Youth Theatre course, which was the first time I'd come to London, first time that um, I was actually really thinking about uh, theatre, to be honest, come out of being um, quite ill for a long time and realised it was something that I enjoyed, but I was fairly like fairly new to the whole thing um, and I got on this course and was quite amazed and we spent two weeks I think it, maybe it was just one week felt like a long time <laughs> um big influence and the course leader we had who I've since tried to track down and I don't know like what happened to her but like we were led by this incredible woman called Ros Paul um I think was called Ros Paul like I've literally <laughs> it's like tried a magical to find moment her. in your life yeah, yeah. afterwards but um it's uh, Ros Paul led this this uh, National Youth Theatre course and I just yeah I think she really blew my like tiny mind in terms of what making performance could be but but mostly what it could do and what was the purpose of it and um, it sounds really cheesy and cliche but I always uh, in terms of thinking like what do I want to do when I grow up still thinking about it guys <laughs> but yeah um, was always like trying to um, change people's lives for the better like always wanting to do something that would uh, like ha have an impact no matter how small but just have a positive impact on people you know and I always kind of thought that would be like nursing or teaching or something kind of more within a sort of care sector perhaps and um I remember Ros really like changing my perspective on on terms of like I, I guess yeah sounds cliche but like the power of of performance or theatre for uh for for giving people something like offering people something that could um change their lives for the better so definitely kind of so yeah Ros is kind of like quite a uh, I often often think of Ros Paul. Yeah. Shall we um, use the power of social media to try and reach Ros Paul? Well, I don't, I don't, track I'm, down. I'm not an idiot. I but no, I mean like you know where you. No, I don't mean like look her up on Facebook. Like, I mean it's a little bit like you know when someone's Ros like Paul, I found this oh, right, teddy bear. Ros Paul might actually. Yeah, but no, like when we when we release these, we could be like guys. Key thing with this episode, we're trying Ros to find Paul. Ros Paul. That would be amazing. Like, then I could yeah. just finally say thank you. Aww. Like I don't, you know, yeah. like well, she'll be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> that was definitely someone and then and then I feel like I can't help but not talk about like Judith Nout and Joe Lloyd at Arts Admin and, and kind of um, uh, in in my other life working at Arts Admin and just the huge um, array of artists many of whom 
uh, like have been making work for decades. But I think as I think probably in a similar way, Jill Jill Lloyd especially just in terms of her like why not? So Jill's kind of like mantra that I remember is like if you can't see a reason why not to do something, do it. <laughs> You're like fair um and that can be really powerful and then i and judas on a similar level to um ros paul i guess is just kind of like what is the impact on the world mm. that this is this is having that you hope it to have that you hope it to have yeah. and like how and like kind of those sorts of all those things around ethics and sustainability and impact and activism like um uh judith knight kind of sort of embodies mm. a lot of that kind of wider thinking and impact in the world so I feel very lucky to have been um to 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 actually almost them spend a decade <laughs> yeah. with you know almost every day with those women and like be in, inspired by inspired yeah. by that Maybe. lovely thanks for the question Sheila Galani Thank you for joining us for this podcast with Non-Zero One. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. And if that was your first one, there are seven more or six more if you've done two. So you can make your way through the whole... <laughs> are you going to get through the, all the You can make your way through the whole How lot many of more are there and if have you've such done a nice five. time. There'll be three more. And then when you've done seven, you'll only have one more to go. And if you've done eight, you can join Non-Zero One. <laughs> And you also will have listened to this outro eight times as well. Sorry about it. All right, then. See you later. Bye. Bye.